Topo Athletic is committed to lifelong health and better movement. Topo builds running shoes for those who get out there every day regardless of weather, speed, energy, or mood. Their distinctive fit and feel combines instinctive human movement with modern performance and lightweight comfort to help you keep going, keep trying, and keep moving. Discover the Topo difference and step into a run experience unlike any other. Hey, what's up everybody? Co-owner Ohm here and we are getting going. It's been a couple weeks since we've done a official fireside chat, but we are hitting the ground running with our 85th fireside chat. And today's guest is somebody we've written a story about on our platform, a two-part story. Here. And we'll see if this goes. We always have a couple meta issues with this. See. Oh, wow. I can't believe that worked. That was like the first go. Perfect. Yeah, that is, that's awesome. Yeah, like uh, I was just telling people about, I was giving people the usual rundown about like technical issues and, and then boom, you like popped in after like one invite, which is super awesome. Um, that's, that's a good sign. So um, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show, Kaylee. We're excited to, I'm excited to talk to you. I keep saying we, but I forget that Jason's out celebrating his birthday today. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk to y'all. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and for those of you who don't know, before we go into this chat, you can find part one and part two of Kaylee's journey to Badwater and her story uh, on our platform. I'll post the links after after we do this interview. but. Before we jump into the interview, because our guests tend to be humble and describing themselves, I have a hype up uh, intro for you, which you've already heard in the green room, but I'm going to tell the rest of your people about it. <laughs> so are you ready to hear it again? We're ready. <laughs> Our next guest took the ultra running world by storm when at the age of 18 years old, she became the youngest runner ever to complete the grueling 135 mile Badwater course through California's Death Valley. Having run ultra marathons since the age of 14, Kaylee has big aspirations and continues to push her limits from one challenge to the next. Please welcome Kaylee Frederick. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, so you've already heard one of the icebreaker questions. We have two of them, but just for the record, we have to ask them uh, on the live. So I, I don't like the answer, but I'm good to ask it again anyways. Uh, Pineapple on pizza, yay or nay? Absolutely not. Never. <laughs> Never accept. <laughs> is that like a is that like a no, I don't prefer it, or like I detest that and I don't know why people do that? <laughs> I mean, I detest most toppings on pizza. Just cheese. That's all you need. So Oh man. And Jason would be friends. He's gonna love that. He says a good pizza does not need toppings and you can fold it and the grease runs down your elbows. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not that part, but <laughs> yeah, I think that's the New Yorker in him with the grease part. But yeah, um, next question I have is pineapple on your burgers, yeah or nay? Ew, I've never even heard of that. Who would do that? Um, I think a lot of Hawaiian burgers and teriyaki burgers have them, at least from what I've heard. If anybody can chime in on if they've had pineapple on their burgers, yeah, I think that is the most like ew like reaction we've gotten on that so that's pretty funny absolutely not if it's not going on a pizza it's not going on a burger oh man i love that a quote for the ages already and honestly like i didn't think that people would be more 
as contentious about pineapple on burgers as they would with pineapple on pizza, but here we are. Here we are. So, uh, Kaylee, the first question I have to ask is probably not only a question on my mind, and I'm sure you've been asked this more than once, but um, ultras is by like just by the numbers ultras is a sport where the average age is like 42 um so you started running ultras at the age of 14 uh what sparked your interest in the sport and like what made you decide to take on these extreme challenges from an early age all right so i started running when i was seven and i would just run like 5ks and 10ks and that and then when i was 13 my elementary school music teacher invited me to run a half marathon with her and I was like absolutely not what are you talking about only like the elite runners could do that like I thought only like Olympic runners could do that only the actually good people um but then she was like no we'll just run it together if we need to run slow we'll run slow so I agreed and I did that when I was 13 and I was like huh that was kind of fun like I wonder what else I could do so I ended up finding a marathon when I was 14, which was kind of difficult because most marathons have age limits of 18 and they don't let you in. But we found one I could run. And then my friend Kristen was like, you know, an ultra marathon was only five more miles because that would be 50K. And then I was like, okay. So I did that. And then it just kind of grew from there. I did my 50 mile or 100 mile or, and I don't know. I've just always loved it and wanted to, see how far my body can really go. Cause I mean, I haven't found a limit yet, you know? Oh, I love that. And, you know, based on what I've seen, just you, you didn't stop hitting the ground running even after Badwater. It was like, I think you did almost five or six other ultras this year after Badwater. And that's something we'll kind of dive into later. Um, but I wanted to kind of go back to, uh, where you first heard about Badwater and your discovery of the event. Uh, I know one of the things we talked about in the story is that you were good friends with Badwater legend himself, Keith Straw. Yeah, so Keith is one of like my bestest friends ever. He's done so much for me since I met him. I actually met him at my first marathon when I was 14. So like I've really known him for a long time. And he's the one who told me about Badwater and he was like, I think you could be the youngest person ever run it. And once he told me that, I was like, yeah, I want to do that. I'm going to do that. So everything just kind of grew from there. And then, well, now here we are. <laughs> we actually did it. I, I would have never known it was a thing if it wasn't for him. So I'm very, very thankful for everything he's done. Yeah, I, I know that he was a big part of the uh, process of uh, talking to Chris Kosman and getting into the event. Uh, I love that story that we talked about, uh, about kind of just how there was this unwavering determination for you to get into the race. Like you were really persistent about it. Keith was persistent about it. And I just kind of, I'd love to reintroduce that story to the people in this audience. Of how yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the age limit for Badwater used to be 19, actually. And if I would have waited until I was 19 to run the race, I would have been 19 in eight months. Whereas Nicodemus, he was the previous youngest person. He was 19 in three months. So just because of my birthday, I wouldn't have been able to be the youngest person. So I actually emailed Chris and I was like, hey, I was wondering why this was the age limit. Like, is there any way it could be changed to 18? Because 
pretty much all races are 18. And he was like, nah, I don't think we're going to be able to do that because we don't change the rules just for one person. I'm like, you know, that makes sense. I understand. And then, like, Keith actually sent in a recommendation and was like, hey, you should change the rules, not just, like, for me, but just in general, like, so any 18-year-olds can apply. And, again, Chris was like, nah, I don't think so. And, I mean, he was very nice about it. We love him. Um, but then I was just kind of like, okay, I guess it's not going to happen. That's how it is. But I could still try and be the youngest female to do it. And then it was actually right around the application period. Chris sent me an email and Keith too, and was like, our board actually reevaluated and we decided that 18 year olds can now apply for the race. So, I mean, I wasn't guaranteed in or anything. I still had to apply like everyone else. I still had to qualify and be selected like everyone else, but just that I had the chance to apply finally. So I put in my application and I was just lucky enough to get in. And so I was 18 and eight months when I did it. So that still leaves some leeway. So who knows when someone will break that record. Uh, I love that. And I love the fact that you asked like, who who knows when someone else is going to break that record? Because I've always thought that records are made to be broken and like, just you just never know who's going to push the the limits um beyond that uh so it's bound to happen eventually yeah yeah you just never know when the person's going to ask chris if somebody under 18 can apply but (laughs) maybe that's yeah um so talk about like training for badwater 135 and what you have to do for that because you if i'm not mistaken you're out of pennsylvania yeah, PA. You're so, out of, so talk about training for a race like Badwater when you're out of PA. Um, it's definitely a lot of heat training because if you're not from PA, you'll know that like the hottest day we'll get here is like 80, and that's like a really hot day. That's like a really really hot day. So out in Death Valley, you can hit like 120. So training was definitely difficult. I did a lot of like sauna training. And I would just, like, layer up in a whole bunch of layers and do CrossFit workouts and go for runs and stuff like that. Um, I knew I would be okay with the distance. Like, I wasn't as concerned with the distance of 135 miles versus just the heat training because, I mean, I'd never really run anything that hot. So that's why I put so much emphasis on the heat training itself. And then I just kind of did my regular, like, how I would train for, like, a 100-mile or just plus a little bit more because it's a few more miles than a hundred. Just a few more. <laughs> just 35 more, just an extra 50 K. <laughs> Man. So, uh, one of the, you mentioned a couple other like really cool things about like leading up to the race. And one of the things I wanted to highlight was, um, how your communities sort of rallied behind you for the race, uh, including uh, Captain Mom, your uh, your crew, and also the also like the way like the people in your city just rallied behind you. Yeah, so my crew was my ma. She was my crew chief. She was great, and then two other local people, Fran Brown and Andrew Boyd, and someone from California. Um, John Radich, they were all my crew, and they did me so good during the race. <laughs> they made sure I was on track, and I had absolutely anything I could have needed or wanted, so they did me super good. And then 
everyone in Johnstown, which is where I live, was so supportive. I never would have imagined that. Like, my high school teachers actually came together and they bought me, like, two pairs of shoes and, like, signed them and everything for me. And then um, we had, like, a T-shirt sale to help raise money for the funds to go there because bad water is expensive. If y'all don't know that, it's very expensive to, like, for travel and everything. So we had fundraise, fundraise through, like, a T-shirt fundraiser. We did a basket party, um, a cornhole tournament. Like, just so many people were willing to help and volunteer with stuff, and it was absolutely great. And then when I came back home, uh, like, when we actually, like, pulled into my house, everyone had, like, decorated my house with, like, congratulations, Badwater 135 finisher, and, like, we had a Johnstown Running Club banner that everyone came and signed from our local running club, and so, like, everyone was just so supportive. I said it took me probably, like, six or eight hours to just scroll through social media after I finished, because everyone was, like, posting updates and stuff. It was absolutely amazing. Oh, that's incredible, and I do want to, I, I do love to talk about, like, the stuff that happened, like, after you finish but like i want to take a step back and talk about the race um uh so let's go through like let's start with the first night uh of badwater uh i know we talked about i think you did you did like the first 100k or so with keith if i'm correct yeah it was somewhere in there because it was on the climb from um uh, uh stovepipe wells up to um town pass yeah that we ended up separating so it was like 60 between 60 and 70 that we ended up separating uh and for those of you who don't know who keith straw is he is best identified by his pink tutu uh and he has finished bad water um i don't know uh i don't remember how many times but many this many year was, it was his ninth finish this year oh wow i hope he's going for number 10 this year yeah, he's going to apply, so hopefully he gets in. Oh, man, if you're Chris Kosman, you have to be thinking about bringing him in to get number 10. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. I'm like, hopefully hopefully that gets him in so he can go for his 10. So, uh, so talk about some of the challenges you had uh, during the race. We talked about a few. I know that you hadn't anticipated hitting a Father Crowley climb in the day, and you... I think you mentioned like struggling with sleep at Darwin as well. Yeah. So I thought I was going to do the father Crowley climb, which is like smiles like 70 to 80 ish, I believe, or like 75 to 85, somewhere in there. I thought I was going to do that at night, but I was actually there earlier than I thought, which I mean, I guess is good. So, cause I had a, a, like a little 20 minute nap plan for the top of father Crowley but it was still daylight out and I didn't want to waste any daylight time, especially sunset whenever it would be like a little cooler. So I decided to just push on to Darwin, which was around mile 90. And I was good pretty much like the whole way there. But then whenever I was getting close, I was probably like two miles away and I got so, so tired. So I ended up sleeping like 20 minutes there. And then, um, that was the only nap I had planned, 20 minutes. But then I actually had to sleep for more time. I had to take two 10-minute naps and a 5-minute nap just between Darwin and 
the reroute section, which was one like mile ninety to like one twenty two, I think, because then you had like thirteen ish miles to the finish. So I definitely had to sleep more than I anticipated. What was it uh what was it like for you to see that the to like finally get into Lone Pine and like know that you had that climb up the portal left to finish the race? It was such an amazing feeling. I remember so with the reroute, like there was a little shuttle where you had to get in your crew vehicle and they had to like drive you. But then once you got like out of the shuttle you were pretty much done with the race. You had like 15, 15 miles because it was like two miles to Lone Pine and then Lone Pine and the finish was just a half marathon. So like once I got off the shuttle, like I knew I was finished. And then once I passed the checkpoint at Lone Pine, I was like, I have a half marathon. And then I finished the world's toughest foot race. I like, I knew that no matter what happened, like I was going to finish the race. So it was just absolutely amazing to know that. I'm smiling ear to ear because just about 10 minutes ago, you were talking about how your first, you did a half marathon with your teacher and you were like, man, this is not for me. And now with Badwater, you're like, it's just a half marathon to the finish. Like, isn't that crazy? Yeah. Times change. <laughs> Things happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, it's crazy how times like things change uh, as you keep pushing your limits and you like look back and then, you're like, man, oh, it's just, yeah. So that just made me smile ear to ear. Just thinking about that. That's crazy. Um, in a good way. That's like, that's like, <laughs> awesome. so, uh, talk about like, I had, I was, I was there and I got to see your finish coming up the portal. Talk about it from like your perspective. Like when you finally came up that corner and you saw your crew there waiting for you in that last stretch. Yeah. So, well, I'm going to back it up a little bit to like the last checkpoint. So there was a checkpoint 3.6 miles from the finish. And like when I got there, I was like, the race is over. Like I knew I could like break my leg and I would have crawled to the finish. Like cause no matter what, I had enough time to get to the finish. So like getting to that checkpoint was absolutely amazing. And then my crew actually at the end, the last four miles, they split the pacing so that each took a mile. So, like, at the end, I got to run with each of them again before I finished, which was super cool. And then um, coming up to the actual finish, like, I remember doing the switchbacks, and I got into the trees, and I was like, okay, there's the campground. And then, like, there's that part, there's that part. And I knew I was getting closer. And then when I saw my crew, like, waiting for me to run into the finish, I was just, I was, like, crying because I was, like, I literally just ran the world's toughest foot race when I'm only 18 years old. And it was like the most amazing feeling ever. And when I finished, people were just like giving everyone hugs and everyone was so happy. And then people were like, you just like set a world record. And I was just like thinking about that. I was like, wow, I really did do that. Like I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking about finishing the race. But whenever everyone said that, I was just like, whoa. It was it was crazy, but it was absolutely amazing. One of the things I find with these long endurance events, like the hundred distance above, like one thirty five, is that uh, it you don't process it immediately like you would other races. It takes time to process it. Like 
things change over time, you process more things. Um, so between like the last conversation we had and this conversation, have, have you had any more thoughts or like feelings on like your Badwater 135 experience? Um, I mean, I feel like the more I think about it, the more I'm just like, it really happened. It's like, it was an absolute dream come true. And just like, it was reality. It was for real. So it's just crazy to still think about, like, I still get super excited thinking about it because it was one of the most amazing days in my entire life. So just the more I think about it and the more like real it actually is, it's, it's just crazy. Well, one of the things I have to ask you, uh, that is particular to what you've done this year is your journey did not stop this year after finishing the Badwater 135. Uh, you've done plenty more ultra marathons since then. So what is your mindset after doing a big thing like the Badwater 135 going into the next one? Um, well, a funny story. Uh, my next race after Badwater 135 was Eastern States 100. And I was like, mentally not in it at the beginning i actually i was like 13 miles in and i was like i want to quit this sucks this is so hard <laughs> um and i was like i'm burnt out i'm gonna pull out all my races for the rest of the year but then by like mile 20 i was i got myself back together and i finished the race um i feel like i was just kind of like riding up high on a pedestal i was like i ran bad water i can do anything and then I got there. It's a trail race. It is a very hard trail race. And I was like, oh, this is hard. Um, so which is good. I'm glad I like got back into it and I had to like mentally put myself back where I needed to be. But then after that race, I was pretty much good. I actually did 10 races, 10 ultras after Badwater because I got 20 ultras for the year, which is pretty cool. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's incredible that you got 20 for. 20 for the year um uh so and that's really uh it's really interesting to kind of hear like your mindset going into like eastern states uh and like that flip of the switch especially after kind of being on that that is still because i i know that i've definitely had moments like that where like i've done this crazy thing and then the next race over will humble me and then i'm mm -hmm. like oh yeah it's you just cannot treat you have to walk in with the mindset of like learning every single race that you do, no matter what you've accomplished in the past. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had trained for Eastern States. Like I had done other big trail races like before Badwater to train, but then between Badwater and Eastern States, like I had a big training block plan because they're the same as in mileage, but I mean, Badwater is all road and Eastern States. It has, I think 20, 2000 feet of elevation and it's all trail so i and i i had a training block plan planned but i didn't do it i barely ran between badwater and eastern states and i feel like i mean yeah my body needed to recover obviously but i, I was just like oh yeah how hard can it be i knew it was going to be hard but it was definitely not easy and i feel like it was it was an important lesson for me to learn like it was good that I was like, yeah, you still got to put in the effort. Even if you do hard races, there's other hard races. And, like, it's so different. So I am glad that, like, I'm glad I didn't quit, obviously. But I'm I'm really glad I finished. It was 
you know, the hard races are always give you better finishes. Like, it's just more of an accomplishment. Oh, yeah, 100%. They just give you, like, this amazing feeling when you cross that finish line uh, after you've done such a hard effort. Uh, one of the things you just mentioned right now was, like, the time between Badwater and Eastern States. Uh, we haven't touched upon this, but I wanted to ask about, like, what your recovery period was like after mm. a race like Badwater. Yeah, so I took off, I don't even remember, probably a couple days without running, and then I definitely just took it super easy, like a mile to three miles. I didn't really push at all because I was like, my body needs to recover for once. Because normally, well, I wouldn't say normally, but this year I did a lot of back-to-back -back racing, like weekend after weekend. I had up to like three weeks in a row where I would have ultras, um, or pretty much my whole year was every weekend or every other weekend. Um, but after Badwater, I definitely took more time. I took a, it was pretty much a month because Eastern States was August 11th, I believe, and Badwater ended on the 6th. So I took like a month to recover, which I wish I would have trained a little more, but it worked out in the end. Yeah, it worked out in the end. Famous last words. <laughs> You know, it worked out this time. <laughs> it worked out this time. Uh, so uh, that kind of brings me to another thing as well. Uh, one of the things that's been an important part of your training journey is cross-training in the form of CrossFit. So talk about that a little bit and what the importance of cross-training is. I got my CrossFit sweatshirt on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, that's what, yeah. what, what probably cued yeah. <laughs> So I've been doing CrossFit, CrossFit since I was 12, and I mean, I mean, I've been doing CrossFit longer than I've been ultra running. That's crazy to think about. But I feel like I go to CrossFit pretty much every single day, and I'm actually a trainer at the gym. At the gym I go to now, and I just think it helps keep you healthy. I feel like everyone that runs or pretty much everything cross training. I think it just helps keep your muscles healthy because I mean I work those small muscles and everything in my legs that so like when I'm tired after running 70 miles and I still have 30 more or 50 more so like the like when my muscles are tired I have the strength in the other muscles to like back that up and I feel like I haven't really I had one injury when I was 14 but other than that I've been pretty much healthy throughout my running and I I owe that to cross training I feel like because I'm constantly making sure that like my muscles and everything are strong enough to take me 135 miles 100 miles however far it's going to be would you uh would you give that advice to people who are trying to get into running to have that sort of cross training or like that like supplementary type of training uh as they get into the sport and while they're in the sport yeah, I mean, I personally would recommend it, whether, like, before or after or during. Like, I think it's just super important. Even if you're not trying to run, like, ultra marathons, like, no matter what you're doing or even if you're, like, swimming or biking, I think it's always good to not just strictly do that. Like, even if you're running and you also bike or something like that, if you bike and you also weight train, I just think it's super important to work other muscles than just strictly your discipline but 
maybe that's just me. I just think it helps keep you healthy. Jason and I are both huge proponents of strength training and supplementary training. So uh, to stay, to keep your body healthy for those long distances, he's done 800s himself, eight Ironmans. So um, his resume speaks for itself too. So I've said, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Eight Ironmans. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And 17 years without injury. That's the biggest thing. He's the hallmark of consistency. Uh, and always just promote strength training and recovery. So, yeah, find your uh, local CrossFit. <laughs> find your local CrossFit. There you go. Um, so, having accomplished something like this at a young age, like how does this shape the rest of your running career and like your goals moving forward? And like, what's on the docket for twenty twenty four? Yeah, so, I mean, running has always been such a big part of my life, and I hope to run for a lot, a lot more years. I mean, the ultimate dream, non-reality goal would be to be a professional runner one day. Um, I mean, look at Courtney DeWalter. She's absolutely amazing. <laughs> um, so that's, like, the dream reality goal, or, like, non-reality goal. But the actual reality is I'll probably be a, a teacher at least that's what I want to do and then just run on the side like I have been but as for races next year I'm running I'm hoping to do the Badwater Ultra Cup again I'm signed up for Badwater Cape Fear and Badwater Salton Sea so hopefully I'll get into the 135 um, applications open in January so we can hope for the best and then something I've been considering would be trying to qualify for the 24-hour national team um i don't know if i really want to do that like i want to do it in 2024 but i would have to really like get my training because that's not going to be easy qualifying for women is 130 miles so it'll definitely be difficult but i just think it would be really cool to qualify for the national team yeah that would be that would be amazing and it'd be very exciting to see what would happen if you went back to badwater for a second year uh, and to do the Badwater Cup again, that'd be very exciting to see. Yeah, I would love to, like, improve my time because this year was really, for me, I always said 2023 was going to be my big race year because I was 18 and races couldn't tell me no anymore. So I did do that I with my 20 ultras, but next year I'm like, I want to try and do less racing, um, but, like, have better training instead of just using all my races for training, try and, like, just – have better actual training and go into the races more prepared. So like Badwater, I would love to get my time down to maybe like, I feel like a 36 hour finish would be pretty cool, but who knows? We'll see what, where my training takes me. Uh, one thing I want to ask specifically that, that is specifically a, dyna uh, a dynamic for you is that you're a college student and you're doing these ultra running events and being a college student and studying a full course load and all of that can be like very much like an on-call thing. Like you're studying, you're going home, you're doing homework. Um, you're like, it's like kind of a nonstop thing. Uh, so how do you, in the end of talking about like balancing your time between like uh, your passion of like ultra running and like having to be a college student at the same time, like how are you balancing these things 
Yeah, so, I mean, I dealt with this all throughout high school, too. So it's just a lot of early mornings and late nights. You kind of have to get used to getting up and getting your run in or going to the gym at 5 in the morning before school and then going to school and then going to work and then running or the gym, whichever you didn't do in the morning, and then coming home late, eating your dinner at, like, nine ten o'clock, and then doing your homework and just waking up again the next morning and doing it. It's a lot to balance, but, I mean, if you want to go the extra mile, you have to put in the extra work, so. That's that's a good one right there. If you want to go the extra mile, you got to put in the extra work. That's It's true, and that consistency matters. Yeah, there's definitely mornings when my alarm goes off, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I really, really, really don't want to get up. But, you know, everyone else is staying in bed. So you got to get up and you got to make the difference. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, I always tell myself this every time when I have those struggle moments. I don't think there's ever a workout or a run when I'm done that I've ever actually regretted. Yeah, exactly. You always feel better when it's done. It's just the first mile is always the worst. You know, once you get done with that first mile, you're like, oh, I could keep going. Yeah, and there's this like feeling of like, I did this thing in the morning and it's almost like taking control of your entire day when you get up and you make that choice. Yeah, I always feel if if I don't get up early in the morning and work out and I like sleep in, I'm like, wow, I just lost like three hours of my day. Like, <laughs> I feel like I have a whole day before some people even wake up. Yeah, exactly that. It's, it's such a good feeling when you get up and you do it. Um, well... Kaylee, before we jump into the rapid fire section of our show, I wanted to open the floor to you to let people know where they can follow your journey on Instagram or or anywhere else. Yeah, if y'all want to follow me on Instagram, I post about all my races and stuff on there and sometimes some other stuff because just some normal person life things. Um, Also on Facebook, I pretty much put the same stuff as my Instagram, but people tag me in a bunch of stuff on Facebook. So you can see other stuff about my life on there if y'all want to follow me on there. Um, And Strava, if you're interested in my running, it's pretty chill. But yeah, pretty much Instagram. That's the easiest way. (laughs) I love that. And you guys can see, uh, and you guys can see Kaylee's Instagram up on the top bar uh, next to Run Try Mag uh, if you want to follow her and her journey. And when we post, part one and part two of her stories on our platform, on our stories, uh, we will uh, put a link uh, to her page as well. All right. Yeah. Thank you. And if y'all ever have any questions, just feel free to shoot me a message because I will definitely answer. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. We all got to help each other out and lift each other up and teaching others helps you get better at your own craft. Yeah, definitely. I've had people ask questions and I'm like, hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Kaylee, are you ready for our rapid fire? I think so. <laughs> uh, so we talked about pineapple on pizza. We talked about pineapple on burgers, both m- massive nays for you. Uh, peanut butter. Are you doing uh, peanut butter or nut butter? Are you doing crunchy or creamy? Creamy only (laughs) (laughs) why creamy only because peanut butter is not supposed to be crunchy not (laughs) at all 
Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. We've had people say they don't want to do crunchy because when they try to put it on their bread, it just destroys the bread. See, that's another factor. Just it's peanut butter is smooth. That's the way it's supposed to be. If you had to choose a type of bread, what would it be? White bread. Uh, if you had to choose a favorite candy bar. Mr. Good Bar. Mr. Good Bar. That's the first time I've heard that one. Um, it's a good one. Let's see. If you had to choose between apple cider and uh, pumpkin spice, what would you choose as your fall flavor? Uh, I don't really like either, but I hate pumpkin more, so apple cider. Do you have a favorite for, uh, do you have a favorite flavor for things like that? Like say coffee or? Um, I mean, I'm pretty basic. I just like the iced, like iced caramel latte. Yeah, not a pumpkin spice girl, not at all. Uh, donut truck or ice cream truck? Which one would you chase? Ice cream truck. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Um, okay, soft serve, Ridgie's 10% vanilla, or if it's going to be hand-scooped, um, Perry's cannoli. I worked at an ice cream place for a lot of years, so I'm very specific. Oh, that's specific. What is Perry's cannoli? Um, Perry's is the brand. I think they're based in New York. I'm not sure, but it's cannoli. It's mascarpone ice cream with cannoli shells and chocolate chips. Okay, Jason might know better than me if it's a New York place. <laughs> I think it's New York. Or the Tonight Dough from Ben & Jerry's. That's pretty good, too. Oh, there you go. Uh, red or do you do red licorice or black licorice? Red licorice. Uh, now we'll switch over to uh, questions related to running. When you're running, do you listen to music, podcasts, or nothing at all? Nothing at all. Uh, sounds of nature? Yep. <laughs> um, if you had to... Uh, actually, I don't have any... If you're listening to nothing at all, I have no follow-ups to that. Um, but what is a favorite book that you read recently? Um, Can't Hurt Me and Never Finished, David Goggins. Perfect. That's right in the that's right in the purview of running too. So that's perfect. <laughs> uh, favorite ultra documentary. Mm, well, of course we like the Berkeley Marathons documentary, but I've never I haven't seen like Harvey like Sun yet. But we love Harvey, so I am gonna watch that because it's on Prime. We love Harvey. Uh, we yes, we do love Harvey. <laughs> Um, let's see, the bucket list race that you have that you want to do. Uh, there's so many Western States or Barkley. Um, if you got a, if you got an entry into follow up to that, if you got an entry into both Western States and Barkley tomorrow and you could only pick one, which one would you choose? Uh. Like one for my life or like just next year? <laughs> one if you woke up tomorrow and you got in because they're both like so hard to get into. 
That's such a hard question. Probably Western States, because I need way more preparation before doing Barclay. I love that. Immortal Urns down there says Barclay. Um, and he also said David Goggins and Kaylee are both hashtag top shelf, hashtag PA proud. <laughs> PA proud. That's right. I love uh, Well, Kaylee, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I really appreciate you coming on. And that was an awesome conversation. And you're welcome back anytime. Yeah, well, thank you for talking to me. I really enjoyed it. I love talking about running. So <laughs> it's easy for me. Yep, and you guys know where to follow KOE if you want to follow her journey. So uh, be sure to do that and reach out to her if you have any questions. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. KOE, have a great rest of your evening. You too. Thank you.